it's difficult to live a life of happiness and fulfillment and just authenticity on your own because people are constantly being compared. You're constantly comparing subconsciously or not. You're constantly comparing everything about your life to someone else's when you're on social too much. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of this. the stuff. <laughs> so if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm E-D-D-I-E. What up? That's it? Oh, that's it. That's oh, Eddie. This is so awkward. Uh, Eddie with an I-E, not with a Y. That is happening more and more these days. I'm getting messages that says Eddie with an I, a Y instead of an I-E. Who are these people that don't know how to spell um, your name? So I think... Uh, to, to our uh, Canadian brothers and sisters, I think Eddie is popular with a Y in in Canada. I think it's is I think it's popular with the Y everywhere else except for the these United States of Got America. It. Okay. So um, I just want to make sure I clarify that. So it, it, it's one of those things where it's like awkward to say, "Hey, you're spelling my name wrong." Right. <laughs> like, just, like, why should I feel so bad telling you you spell my name wrong? Yeah. That's my what in the world. Okay. <laughs> I have something to play off of that. Okay. This um, TikTok that I saw, this woman was saying like, hey, I have coworkers that can't pronounce my name. It's like, woo-ya or something. Okay. And instead of calling me by my name because they refuse to pronounce it properly, they call me woo-woo. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'm not really feeling that. Like, right. I don't think you should make someone else's name comfortable for you so that way it's easier to say. So like those people who you know hear your name and they just make a nickname, I'm just going to call you Jay. Right. Your name is Jaquan Han Haya and I'm going to call you Jay. Right. Right. And when you said woo-ha, I was like, woo-ha, I got y'all all in check. Right. <laughs> but, okay, so that's that's a questionable <laughs> one, right? Like some people do have rather difficult names. Right. But they normally give you their nickname. Like mm -hmm. people know my my name is difficult. Just call me blank. Right. Right. Have you ever met someone that knew they had a difficult name and they just kept saying it like no. Bahaja? Like <laughs> I don't know. Like, like they like like and then they're just like waiting for you to fail. You know, it's like okay to be mad. But then you, I think you just kind of say, "Can you say that one more time?" And right. then you say it, and you just keep saying. Can you it. say it in a hyphenated way <laughs> so I know where the phonics go? Like we met a guy who owns a restaurant in Claremont, and I asked his name, and I was like, "Say it one more time." And the girl that heard me, she said, "Hotter, like hotter, like you're getting hotter." And I was mm -hmm. like, "Oh, got it." And I had to put it in my phone so I didn't forget. Right. And I was like, hotter, H-O-T-T-E-R. But that's not how he said it, especially Correct. with his accent. Right. So I think but we they, need to you, do a good job of making say. sure that we're trying to get people's names right. 100%. I, okay, here's another one. I do not like when someone has a name. Usually it's a simple name. 
And like Mari, Kayla's friend Mari. It looks like Marie, M-A-R-I-E, but she's in Scotland. So it's Mari, right? Right. I don't know. Do we say Mari because it's a Scottish name, but in America it's Marie? I don't know. The point is, is like I've seen many people with simple names like Mari or Marie and people mess up the name and then they say, whatever you want to call me is fine. I that drives me nuts when people don't correct people about their own name. <laughs> it's like, no, what do you prefer to be called? Oh, either one works. Like, for what's me. in a name? It's just, you know, everything these, these is in a are name. given out to everybody. Yeah. You got one for right. a reason. Your brother does that. Your brother's name is Marcus. But your parents decided to you know, spell it some crazy way. Yeah, okay. So let me look at some context. My parents decided, you know, well, his your, parents, mm-hmm. my mom, uh-huh. <laughs> decided to say, okay, your name, they, they spelled out his name Marquise with a Q. Okay. Right. But when they brought him home from the hospital, they only said Marcus. His name's Marcus. And so then as he got older, he wanted to be called Marquise. And I was like, why would you change your name? <laughs> but he's like, that has always been my name. I go, says who? Because the people who brought you home <laughs> said, this is Marcus. Marcus, meet your little brother. Me, yeah, Eddie, Eddie, meet your little, meet brother, your little brother, Marcus. Right. Never did they say Marquise. And right. I noticed that it was spelled funny. I was just like, well, maybe they tried this to. is what black people do. They take uh-huh. a French or what is it? A French name, I think. Marquise okay. is like mm-hmm. a, you know, and they said, we're just going to say Marcus. Okay. Right. So, so as a grown up, though, he wants to be Marquise. Yeah, yeah. But he was introduced to you when they brought him home as Marcus. Right. So I always tease him. I say, what your mama wants you to be called, yeah. that's what I'm going to call Mom you. Mom name class Cassis? I'm going to call him Cassis. Cassis? Cassis. Cassis Clay. Cassis Clay. Oh, my Clay. gosh. But not Muhammad Ali. I, I respect the man's name, Muhammad Ali. Okay. I have a, a what in the world. Okay. I take my lovely, wonderful, funny daughter, Jordan, okay. to, we were at Walmart the other day. And we go to Target for certain things, but I go to Walmart if I need to stock up on soap, on hair products for the Uh girls, on like just little things. If I need to get some quick, cheap like gel or hairspray, stuff like that, right? Body washes. I'm going to get that from Walmart because it's just cheaper. That's a controversial thing right there because there are people all over social media that like live at Target. And and I don't know, I just, I like Target, but I want to save money. Anyways, I'm in Walmart with Jordan and we're walking down the aisle with like the body washes and lotion and then there's hair care. And then we come to a section that I've never really paid attention to, but it's right by the feminine product section. Okay. And it's a whole like 10 foot section of vagina health. Like. In Walmart. In Walmart. And what, and there's a I, sign? It doesn't say vagina health, but it says maybe feminine hygiene or something. Okay. And so it's everything from like sprays to douches and like just all this stuff, right? That quite honestly, like I just haven't ever spent a ton of time there. Oh, I think she told me that the NCAP have like vagina monologue books. No, what are you talking about? (laughs) So my daughter stops in front of this section and she goes, she pulls something. She goes, why don't we talk about vagina health? (laughs) And I go, what? And she goes, why don't we talk about vagina health very often? We talk about skincare all the time. You know, we talk about five-step routines for your face. We talk about face lotions, body lotions. We don't talk about vagina health. And she's dead serious, right? And I go, I don't really know, (laughs) to be honest. I think your vagina is pretty healthy, though, right? And so it sparks this really funny but necessary conversation. Right. 
And so this poor Walmart girl is working like four feet away. And I just, I turn to her and I go, do you hear my daughter talking to me about vagina health? And she goes, oh, no, but we should talk about it. So she did hear, right? And then I said, has anyone talked to you about vagina health? And she goes, no, not really. I said, the only thing we talk about when it comes to vagina health is like pads and tampons. Right. And that's it. And Jordan goes, well, I don't understand. I think people want us to talk about vagina health because there's a whole section right here. Like, what is all this for? And she starts pulling out all this stuff. And I was like, I don't know how to say this to you. And I could be wrong because I've never had this conversation before. But I think your vagina is quite healthy until you start putting things inside of it. Okay. And she goes, oh, good point. But is there something we should be doing to care for it, right? Like we have, I have a face routine. Do I need a vagina routine? Right. And this is a funny conversation that a mother and a daughter can have in yep. the middle of a store that would have made you feel really uncomfortable. I'm in the wrong group chat. But I just, I want to know, why don't we talk about vagina health, right? And I'm sure people are going to say, oh, there's tons of groups out there that talk about them. But like, I wasn't taught, like, do you douche? Do you like, oh, here's another one. Your, uh, your like landscaping. I know okay. you have like manscaping. Women have landscaping. Like I talk about those things with the girls. Got it. But I don't know that those are things that we make a big deal out of. I certainly don't. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel uncomfortable talking about uh, vagina health I'm right now? I'm not uncomfortable at all. I don't know how I can add to this conversation, <laughs> but I'm perfectly fine with you, you know, leading us through to having a <laughs> world of vagina monologues. Right. So anyways, I thought that was funny. And I think that is hilarious. I think that you should have a conversation about vagina health with your kids. I'm and that still is trying our to commercial. unpack that. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. This episode is brought this is to public you by. <laughs> public service announcement uh, by Janelle Copeland on yep. vagina health. There All right. we go. So moving on from right. vagina health. Yeah. I'm not going to say it where, anymore. Where do we go from here? <laughs> This is like one of those, anything we say now is a hard right, right? It's just like, right? So. Make uh, a hard right, babe. Just uh, take it. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you, I want to talk about, uh, <laughs> um, well, I don't have a one in the world. Well, my one in the world, I just oh, told you. Oh, I thought you were going to say you didn't have a vagina. No, I, I do not. No, I do not. But um, I, I do think that it's very interesting, right? Okay. What is your what in the world? What in the world is, I mean, social media is like lighting up these days. Okay. I mean, when this comes out, you know, it would be about a week or so since like Elon Musk took over Twitter. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know, Elon Musk purchased Twitter, right? Which is a very interesting thing for $44 billion. Mm -hmm. So basically he overpaid for it, Mm -hmm. what people tell me. And it's interesting because now like this whole movement on like free speech is like, like moving forward and people are saying the the most awful things. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because like I read this article that said that you can't have this town square which they're considering Twitter to be fully free speech if it doesn't protect certain groups, mm-hmm. right? If if you're allowed to say whatever you want and be hurtful because then, it's freedom of because speech. it's freedom of speech then if a platform like that survives on advertisement, what advertisers want to be next to a comment that sounds hateful, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going to have to police it, which puts you back into what 
Elon Musk was, ups- was upset about mm-hmm. because he felt like there was, you know, too much governing of the music of, of right. what's being said. But based but I, I look at that because we had an, we, we mentioned a couple of times um, we've had an, an encounter on social media where people were like taking shots at mm-hmm. us uh, based on something that was posted. And it's just an interesting thing because I think about who are these individuals mm-hmm. that think social media is a place where you can just say whatever you want yeah. and there's no consequence. Because nowhere did we say that you, you you can definitely have free speech, but you definitely have to know that there's consequences to mm-hmm. whatever you say, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Kanye West losing billionaire status like overnight and all about what he says Mm -hmm. right and so i just thought that was really interesting it kind of kind of ties into this kind of instagram versus like reality just because we're behind a keyboard doesn't mean we can just say whatever we want just like if you say whatever you want to someone in their face whether if you're at your workplace or whatever it may be there are some type of consequences behind Mm -hmm. that in many cases so I just wanted to, uh, you know, that's my heart, right? From vaginas to social media. You went media. back to vaginas. Oh, uh, dang. <laughs> you could have just stayed in your lane. I could have stayed in my lane, but now I, I took it back. But I thought that that was really interesting that we're in this age of saying whatever you want. The problem is, is that on the other end of that, you have individuals that are crushed mm-hmm. by what people say on social media, mm-hmm. right? And them being crushed it does it, it tax people and their and their and their worthiness and their self their mental health and then how they feel about their self esteem right yeah. so uh, i just think that that's an important thing to talk about well i think it's understandable from the sense of like let's just say our account you know many of our listeners that are listening they have business accounts and they're trying to put information out that may be helpful or entertaining or informational or somehow just useful right So you put it out with these intentions and then somehow it takes a hard left and now it gets misconstrued and it can easily hurt your feelings, right? In the sense of, well, I had good intentions and now people think that it was meant for something else, right? right? And I guess my learning from what we've kind of gone through with social media and whether things go well or not is... You just never really can gauge whether something's going to resonate with people or whether it's not. And I do think that you have to just show up and kind of be yourself and put out what you think is helpful or useful. But yeah, I think that things are just taking a hard turn lately and people out there are miserable and they see other people sharing a thought or perspective that they don't agree with. And immediately they're just being keyboard warriors and kind of being abusive. And this is like, there's a video that we put up months ago of you and Kayla, this towel challenge where you're interlinked, right? right? And it's got like 6 million views on it or something. And people still to this day are like, what are you stupid? You can't unlock two links. (laughs) And I just go, look at the thousands of comments on this, right? right? And people on the other hand are like, duh, Google it. You can totally get out of it. And I'm like, well, there are two interlocked links. There's no way you can really get out of it. So it's impossible. And they're just arguing in the comments, right? So that would be an example of something where (laughs) obviously there's like two sides and people hardcore think this side and they hardcore think this side. And usually one of you is right, but it's like, why are you wasting time debating this? right? Right. And why are you so mean about it? And why are you attacking people? And I don't think I'll ever have the answer for that. Well, it's interesting because I think 
like I think about our upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think about on the school grounds, you know, with your friends, hanging out. And if you if you're listening to this and you were born in the 80s, right, or early 80s, early late 70s, then you pro- and you were born in some type of inner city, mm-hmm. then bagging on each other making jokes about mo- making mama jokes mm-hmm. making I, like all those things were an everyday expected. occurrence mm-hmm. and i think that because of that you built you build a certain level of of tough skin because you either had to respond just as quick as somebody mm-hmm. was making jokes at you or you just got annihilated and then it was something that everybody was laughing at you right and so i i don't know but i feel like for myself I, i'm not impacted by what people say online and, I, and I'm trying to think of where it came from, but I think it came from like, you know, being the butt of jokes, but also having to come back with really good jokes. Mm-hmm. And so you end up getting really good at telling jokes and also laughing at yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think what we're finding now is that, you know, there's so many people that are depressed, that are sad, that uh, are heavily impacted by social media and they have to take breaks from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, one or two things, one, they can't stand what people say about them. Or two, they can't. They keep comparing themselves and uh, to other people, and it drive and it makes them sad. Yeah. Right. But either way, it's it's damaging instead of it being something that um you know brings some type of entertainment to your yeah. life or or information. Well, I mean, I think that there's a fine line. Is social media really bringing entertainment to your life, or is it making you uh, live in a constant state of comparison where you feel bad about yourself? Right. Yeah. And I took my goddaughters out for dinner for their birthday. They just tw- turned twenty one. And they both said like they don't spend a ton of time on social media because it's just not good for their mental health. Yeah. And I find more young people these days taking breaks, like deleting the apps from their phones. And so I find that encouraging that these smart individuals like can sense the fact that it's making them feel some type of way. And they're smart enough to just delete it and say, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. And then I find that a lot of the students that we coach, they have businesses like we have businesses that require you to show up and put yourself out there on social. And you don't necessarily want to put yourself out there for the sake of like, you know, trolls and scrutiny, but you kind of have to do it because that's the way you show up from a business owner's perspective these days. And I see all the sides. I see how if someone didn't grow up the way you did and they don't feel uh, like they can just let things kind of trickle off their back and ah, who cares? This person's just miserable. Like I definitely see how things can impact people. But more importantly, I see how it's difficult to live a life of happiness and fulfillment and just authenticity on your own because people are constantly being compared. You're constantly comparing subconsciously or not. You're constantly comparing everything about your life to someone else's when you're on social too much. Your financial situation, your relationship with your partner, I'm not going to lie. The other day I saw this video and it was this girl. She was talking about, you know, I just want to tell you guys I had the most perfect mother. She's not a perfect person. She's got a hundred million problems. But as far as being my mother, she couldn't have been a better mother. Here's why. And I was like intrigued by it. And immediately I was like, I hope that my kids one day say that about me. Mm. So it kind of tugs at your heartstrings. And just for the sake of it was a good message. I go to the comments. Every mom in the comments is like, I'm literally crying. I think that my kids would never say this. Even though I tried so hard, I gave up my whole life. All of the comments 
felt the same way that I felt. Oh, I hope my kids one day will feel this way, right? right? And so immediately it made me realize all these moms are comparing how their kids view them to this girl. Mm. So I don't think that it's a conscious thing that you're just looking for torture. I think that the way that we're built, the way that we're wired, we're sensitive people in some cases. And certain things can be triggering, like being a mother is important to you. You want to be a good mother in most cases. So when you see something, you don't know it's going to be triggering. You think it's going to be entertaining, but it makes you feel a certain type of way. Make sense? Do you think that that is more prevalent in women than men? Probably 100%. Yeah, I, I think I tend to think that just based on like like the statistics and the in the the studies out there, like how we raise our daughters versus how we raise boys, mm-hmm. and I feel like women are and you correct me wrong are raised in a sense unconsciously are in a state of aware unawareness of saying you're you're bringing them up to be competitive for the best man available. And and I that may be a strong thing to say, but I feel like traditionally, it, you know, even in our history, it's been that way, mm-hmm. right? Where the prettiest girl, the girl like th- gets the attention, and so everyone is is competing with that person or trying to find likeness like that person to get the same attention. I mean, we we do it even now. We have homecoming king and queens, right? But the guys don't care about being homecoming king. I bet they do. Not really. I mean, I, when I was growing up, no guy was like, I, I, I got, if I'm homecoming queen, it'd be But like you know it's the most popular guy. Yeah, but e- even if the guy who won, no one cared, right? That's what you think. Well, in the conversations I had with friends, like no mm-hmm. one cared. I don't even remember who was the homecoming Yeah, maybe king. because y'all weren't in the running for it. So you didn't <laughs> care. You couldn't care. Your feelings would have been hurt. But I, but I, I, I think that there's something there because if a guy did the same thing and said, hey, I had to perfect father i don't know if the comments would be flooded with men I and fathers saying oh I, I, was, I hope my kids say the same thing if my son said that i would feel great i just don't think that that it, it resonates that maybe way. it's because we're more nurturing like by nature but i mean we had a conversation not too long ago about something that i saw on social media and it was like a psychologist who said guys, if you want your wife to have more sex with you, these are four things you need to do. And it was like, connect with her, like mm-hmm. make time for her, like date her, send her sweet messages. This and I showed it to you. Yeah. And I don't think you really got it. That's and it. I think you needed <laughs> oh, to get God. it. So that's the point is though, like, you know, like sometimes maybe you do need to like, let it sit with you, let it resonate with you. I don't think that there's a right or a wrong way. It's not a comparison, but sometimes. So anyways, the conversation was, I said, you know, this guy is speaking about something I believe to be a hundred percent true. Like Mm -hmm. guys could get more loving in the bedroom if they followed this man's advice. Right. And the conversation was, look who's in the comments, all women. Yeah. All women validating it, no guys anywhere. So right. the message is not finding the right person who it's intended to find. Because right. if the right guys found it, they'd get laid more. <laughs> I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, I do. So I, I think do. women are looking for maybe different things. Men might be just looking for sheer entertainment and they're not letting messages resonate with them. And these are all generalizations. There right. are guys out there oh, that are yeah. looking to be better spouses, better. And, and, and you're not really one of them. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, but I but I think that I'm not saying that guys don't compare themselves at mm-hmm. the level of women. I think they do it in a different way. Okay. 
right? And I and I, I but I also think that that now we're seeing it where men do it in a similar fashion because men are more attracted to status in their life, mm-hmm. right? And so they're going to compare themselves to other men based on a financial status, uh, maybe on the physical attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things I think become a, a place where man compares. But I do think that I don't know if it it, it it hits on a on a grand scale emotionally with men that it does for women. Mm-hmm. I feel like women will take breaks from social media because emotionally it is now weighing on them mm-hmm. that others are doing these things or they have this look or beauty or whatever, and I don't feel like I do. Yeah. Where men will try to find ways to compensate it in a different way. Yeah. Right. And so. It's just an interesting thing. I don't think any of it's healthy, but I do think that it's processed in, in, in very differently for men and women. But I think what it what it shows is, and we were kind of having this conversation that we're moving to this place where I think that the people that are most re- revered are the ones that truly step into who they really truly are in an authentic way. Mm-hmm. And they do it unapologetically, mm-hmm. right? Like you think about the people are the, that are the trendsetters. They're the ones that are willing to do something different before anyone else right. without really caring, mm-hmm. right? And so I think when we use social media to get approval as far as as a content creator, that's a tough gig because that approval is not going to come back in the version in which you probably want it to right, be. Sure. And it's going to be mixed with people who are, who flat out disagree and, and in fact are angry with you because you said something that yeah. they find unrealistic or they don't relate to or they their life is something totally different and they want to tear what you just put out down. Yeah. Very quickly. So there's this woman I follow, uh, Vivian, your rich BFF. And she's like a Wall Street girl that shares like financial tips and stuff. And I just always like last week, I was like, I wonder if she gets hated on. And I went to her TikTok and she was like sharing like three ways that you can uh, set your kids up to have good credit. So that way, when they, you know, turn 18, they hit the ground running or right. something. And literally so much hate in the comments. Like, well, must be nice, you know, to have someone that will teach you these things. Like it's everybody's projecting like all this right. negativity. And I was like, damn, she's literally sharing like tips. Like right. this is helpful information. If you don't have kids, keep it pushing, right? If you didn't have parents that taught you this, learn it so you get better. And it's just mind boggling to me that, you know, these internet streets are filled with so much hate. And and I guess the point of this episode is to, you know, just have a conversation about the fact that I always take it to heart that our kids are going through different things than we went through at their age. Yeah. At 21, 20 and at 21, 19 and 17 years old, we didn't have this constant comparison and this mechanism that distracted us constantly that gave us gave us notifications of these great lives that our friends were living or whose video went viral or, you know, there was no stats to keep in your friend circle. It's like, I saw you at school. If I didn't like you, whatever. I went home to my safe place at home, got to be with my family. And then if you were bullying me, I got a break from you. And then I go back and it's a new day. Right. right? And now there's like no turning it off. And so 
there's a lot of debate on whether social media is good for you, it's bad for you. There's more that states that it's bad. But as a business owner, I'm telling you, I don't know how I could have had a more successful business without social media, which is why I keep continuing to show up on social media. And I don't, it's not going anywhere. No. Like, I mean, you can not like it and you can be disconnected. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's, that's perfectly fine. But we are moving, we are already in a society in which social media is part of our life. Like there are children right now that are, that are entering the world uh, in more formative years that social media is part of lifestyle, right? And so I think that the key thing is, is how do you equip people, not just you know kids, but even adults yeah. now that are participating, how do you equip them in a way that they're not looking for approval because I, I I promise you this is if you are seeking approval on social media you're probably seeking approval in your in your reality life mm-hmm. right from people that may not necessarily give you what you're looking for mm-hmm. but you're constantly making decisions you're constantly uh, measuring your life based on what people think of it right and not necessarily what you believe you really want to do and what you're passionate about I think that could come in the form of uh, people pleasing. Yeah, 100%. So like if I'm a people pleaser and I'm doing things because it's out of the goodness of my heart, but I really want to make you happy, that is a form of I'm looking for validation. I'm looking for acceptance. I'm looking for something that you do to validate that I'm on the right track. Right. That could easily bleed into habits on social media. Yeah, it's funny because I saw, I was telling you, I saw this quote where Mike Tyson was said that if, if you're friends with everybody, you're probably an enemy of yourself. Enemied? Enemy of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, and you think about that, if, if everyone is your friend, that means that there's quite possible that you have adjusted to every single person so that you are more likable, mm-hmm. which means it deteriorates to the, the person you truly are because you should meet people who don't like you, mm-hmm. right? Like think about that. When you put something on social media, when you meet people, there's going to be a certain percentage that just doesn't care for your personality, right. that doesn't care for your pers- haircut, haircut, your or whatever. Choice of spouse, your yeah. And and I think that that idea of being unapologetically yourself is where that comes out. Like, are you? And that's the thing for people to, to who's listening to this to say, hey, do you find yourself modifying yourself? And so, you know, people of color, black people specifically, will say that they code switch, right? Mm-hmm. So they go to work and they have a certain voice at work, right? And for people who don't know what that is, it's like your customer service voice. Like you're, you're, <laughs> you say, how can I, you, start, you, you get a job where you're helping yeah. customers, all of a sudden the customer walks in and you go, how can I help you? Like your voice goes super yeah. high mm-hmm. because you're trying to be likable. And there's something about maybe a deep, you know, yeah. resonance in your voice that maybe, you know, impacts people. But if you're code switching constantly, then who are you? Mm-hmm. Right. How should people see you? Are they seeing the real version of yourself? And are you happy with the version that you're giving people so that you could be liked? Or is it one of those things where you sit back and you constantly having to live up to who people think you are, or the image that you created? And it deteriorates your self-esteem because you're like, I'm not really that person. Yeah. And I can't live up to that person and the expectations that are given to that person every single day. I think we need a therapist to come on and help us with this because <laughs> um, back to the dinner with my goddaughters who are 21, like my uh, one of the twins, she said that people recently have been giving her feedback that she comes off as arrogant. Yeah. 
She's the sweetest, kindest, like most hardworking kid that I know. But then she says, because I'm the first one to raise my hand, because I'm the first one to try to go after the hard projects, like two or three people have given her the feedback that she's arrogant. Right. And I was like, that is such an aggressive word, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so it makes her want to dim her shine. It makes her want to be not the first one to raise her hand because she wants to give other people a shot. And so she said she started doing these things where these tests with her friends where she brought to the group chat, you know, uh, some opportunities and was like, hey, I want to share the love. Anybody interested in this? And then they all kind of talk themselves out of it. Oh, I'm not really qualified. Oh, you know, my resume needs to get built more. Oh, and she goes, I'm just not going to subscribe to that. I'm going to go after it, whether I'm qualified or not. And if that makes me arrogant, then damn it, I'm arrogant. Right. And so I just, you know, found myself kind of coaching her into do not let that derail you from the things you know you should be going after. For me, the word was intimidating. Mm -hmm. How many times in our career together did you hear someone say, oh, she's intimidating? Often. I used to let that dim my shine because I didn't want to come off as intimidating. I didn't want people to not like me. I didn't want to be too much. But then I had to kind of realize like I'm overcompensating every time I meet somebody trying to be extra sweet. And that shit is fake. Yeah. Like this is who I am. I'm sorry if you're thinking that I'm intimidated. It really comes down to it's how you're receiving me. And that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. But it took me 40 something years to figure that out. Right. And that leads me to something that I recently kind of binge listened this week, which is Meghan Markle's new podcast. Mm -hmm. So Meghan Markle, whether you like her or hate her, don't care. She has a (laughs) podcast and it's called Archetypes. Right. And an archetype is you put somebody in a category, they have a label and that's that. So the whole podcast is for women and it's about taking these archetypes that we put these categories like over these women And then they kind of unpack them in an episode. So one of the words, and they're bad words, right? Like one word is diva. And so who does she bring on? She brings on the diva herself, Mariah Carey. And they have this whole beautiful conversation about, is it a good word? Is it a bad word? You know, do you play into it? Do you shy away from it? Because now in in like the early 60s, it was what you would use to revere like a highly established opera singer. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in the late 90s, it turned into... I'm sorry, early 2000s, it turned into like a bad word. Oh, she's a diva, which means she's high maintenance. Stay away from her. So they had this great conversation about the diva archetype and unpacked it. It was great. Very insightful. Um, Another one was bimbo, like a dumb blonde type of thing. She brought Paris Hilton on. They talked about it. I thought that was great. Another one was the angry black woman. And she brought on Issa Rae from Insecure. Yeah. And so there's these great episodes that help women understand, like, these are the archetypes. These are the categories that you can get pushed into. For my niece, it's arrogant. For me, it's intimidating. So I hope she covers those. Yeah, that's great. It just pisses me off that like we as women have to worry about how other women mostly perceive us. And I think that gets amplified with social media. Yeah. And, you know, I read that that is called a cognitive burden. And -hmm. what that means is, is like if I try to take on your emotional weight and the same at the same time as now I'm modifying myself to appease you, I now have the burden of my own personality, who I am, and then modifying it so that it fits what you need in order for, for mm-hmm. to, to re- receive me. Right. 
that's a lot. It's too much. It, yeah, it's like it's like one of those things where you just kind of go, I can't do that, mm -hmm. right? I can't be my true self where my my uniqueness and how special I am can come out and burst through the seams and, and make an impact on the world at the same time as trying to cater to you yeah. in a way that so that you can receive me. I just think that's impossible. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I think when people find that people have achieved a certain level of of self-esteem and confidence, those that have lower confidence, all they want to do is try to take mm -hmm. bring you down because they know that's the, that's the edge. That's the difference between you and them is that you have this 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 way of carrying yourself and belief in yourself that they don't. And the only way that they can find an edge is to say, hey, you know, you're coming across in a way because when people say you're intimidated, it has nothing to do with you. It has right. everything to do with that person. Like, how, like, and I can see it's if hard you, to understand that, though. Right. And I can see if you were intentionally trying to intimidate, intimidate like mm -hmm. you're trying to put your will on people mm -hmm. and, and like stand over them. And I think that there's a space for balancing that feedback so that you know the difference between the things that you're doing that are damaging people versus you just being true to yourself right. in a way that's kind and respectful but unfortunately you just can't handle it yeah right and i think that that is is super important and for our daughters i'm like please don't don't listen to that feedback especially when you know you're approaching people with love and kindness yeah. but you're also being true to who you need to be well our daughters are going through that right now like they have been told by every boy that they've liked, even friends, oh, you're intimidating. That's why boys don't approach you. And I got to say from, you know, a mother's perspective, it definitely triggers me because right. I've had to deal with that. But then also there's a part of me that's like, you better rock that. You right. better be proud of that. When people tell you that they're intimidated by you, it has nothing to do with you. It's because you're smart. You have a presence. You're commanding. Um, you know, attention or the room or whatever it is. And you deserve the right because you've earned that, right? right? You're not just acting a certain way. Like you literally are carrying yourself in a way that also conveys confidence, but is still kind and welcoming and loving. And if guys are too afraid to approach you because you're intimidating, then they're not strong enough bad, to handle so your personality. <laughs> but it's easy to say that to someone. Right. It's harder to carry the burden of that. Yeah. So I don't like that my daughters are going through that. I do like that they have me to kind of coach them along and like to explain to them. It's not your burden to carry. Just make sure you're always kind to people. Yeah. And uh, intimidation and, and, you know, and obviously arrogance can be a something different, but it all means that you have a presence. Mm -hmm. Like like you cannot be lost. And I think that in a world of commodities, right? You can go to Walmart filled with commodities, Amazon filled with commodities. But it's those products, it's those people that have presence that catch your attention mm -hmm. and those are the things, those are the people who are never forgotten, yeah. right? And so when you're trying to add value to the world, it requires a certain level of presence. Yeah. I guaranteed if we were in an open hall with many people in here and you know a Bill Gates walked in, you would feel it, mm -hmm. right? Or a Barack Obama walked in, you would feel the mm -hmm. presence. It doesn't mean they're doing anything to intimidate you, it's just that they bring something to the room that you cannot mistaken. You can't, yeah. you can't be lost. And I, I also, when you're just giving that example, you said, you know, if Bill Gates walked in, I was like, if we walked into a conference room or a big conference room, cause I'm a visual person. I was like, I see the girl with the purple hair. I love her. I'm cheering her on. Right. I see the, the guy with the big Afro or the dreads. Like I see that. Right. 
Because visually, it's like the people that stand out that break the mold of the cookie cutter are the ones that I gravitate towards. Right. But I can see how carrying the burden of making sure that you fit in can also be something that people live in every yeah. day. And I think we had th- that struggle with our kids. Like they were constantly like trying to fit in, mm-hmm. right? And they and, and and I understand where that came from, especially yeah. when you a person of color and you're going to a school that's predominantly white, mm-hmm. right? Or not black. I should say yeah. that. Well, um, all your girlfriends have y- stick yeah, straight hair. You're, you're trying to like fit in. You're trying to be accepted. So you think the only way you can be accepted is if I'm similar to this person. Right. And I just want to let the people know out there, like that's not yeah. right. And the, how you lead yourself is how you get accepted, mm-hmm. how you show up and you are kind and loving, but you are true to who you need to be. Mm-hmm. There's no better quality that people find attractive than confidence and self-esteem. And I think that that's something that if you are trying to have better connections and you're trying to be a part of something or lead something, I think that's the part that you got to step into. Yeah. And I mean, this conversation, I feel like could go on and on. And hopefully you're listening and you got something great in, in hearing this. You know, the Push Podcast is supposed to be about having conversations we think are inspiring, we think need to be had. And we would have these conversations with friends and family and you guys are our friends and family. So if you have something to contribute, slide into our DMs, leave a review on Apple iTunes. We listen to those or we read those all the time. Happy to connect with you. But I think it's important to have these conversations with, you know, especially young kids, people you love and just check in with people. Like, are they being consumed too much by social media? Are they constantly comparing themselves and just have better conversations to help them lean into the people that they're supposed to be? Until the next time, we will see you guys soon. Take care. All right, push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time, push through.